What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Out What Now podcast. And if this is your first episode, welcome. Welcome to your first episode ever. You are about to have a good time. You're about to be inspired and you're about to meet me. My name is Megs. My pronouns are she, her. I'm an LGBTQ plus inclusion consultant and speaker and the host of this podcast, which is here to explore all of the ups and downs that come with navigating the coming out journey, explore how we can create positive impact and change in the world and thrive as awesomely inspiring queer humans and allies. We have a lot of awesome allies who listen to this show. So if that applies to you, welcome. We are so glad you're here. We cannot create change without you. And I am really excited to get into this episode. On this show, we do a lot of different kinds of episodes. Sometimes I'll bring folks on to share their insights and stories about different ways that they've experienced challenges or joys or things that they've learned in their queer experience and what their life looks like. And sometimes I'll have uh, co-hosted episodes. We've done some question answer episodes that have been really fun. And today you get all of me I'm going to share some stories with you, a recent experience I had that I think is really important for you to hear about and learn more about and was truly just a monumental experience for me in my life in general, but particularly in my journey through the lens of my own queerness. And I'm I'm super excited to share it with you. I really, really enjoy having a microphone and sharing stories and being able to relate to all of you through this medium of podcasting and um, being able to speak and, and communicate with you in this way. And I am usually pretty excited to speak. I get real excited when there's any opportunity for me to get a microphone, to share a story, to entertain, to bring the energy and get people pumped up. And I can really only think of two times in my life where I have literally been shaking and I've been so nervous and I've felt it in my heart, in my mind, in the, just the physicality of my body. And both of those instances actually happened in the same place, but they happened 17 years apart. And that place is the high school I attended in my hometown. And I want to take you back in time to that first time, which was actually 17 years ago. In 2005, I was chosen to speak as a senior in high school at our baccalaureate ceremony. And if you don't know what that is, it's essentially, it boils down to being like a religious kind of graduation ceremony. It's not where you're actually graduating or getting your diploma but kind of an event where you can talk about graduation in the context of faith. 
if you will. And to give you a little context, I am from a very small town in rural southwest Wisconsin. It's called Richland Center. You can look it up. Frank Lloyd Wright was born there. Very cool. It's about 5,000 people and it is very conservative. There are a lot of different churches there, largely, um, mostly Christian affiliated. And it is as intense as it sounds. And I personally was raised Catholic and I went, I was very involved in my church in high school, which actually had a lot to do with the fact that I knew I was queer and I felt pretty bad about that. And so I spent a lot of my time kind of trying to accommodate for my shortcomings from a morality standpoint, I guess, by being very involved in the church. I was in the choir. I read at mass. I was an altar server. I was head of the youth council. I organized trips and fundraisers and worked at pancake breakfasts and I went to the Catholic school until I was in eighth grade. So I, I was very, very rooted in my religious community at the time. And as such, I was asked to speak at this ceremony that actually took place at the high school, which is a public school, which <laughs> knowing what I know now about separation of church and state seems really odd, but it was what it was. And I was there. And I had given a lot of speeches before. I was used to speaking in front of people. I, I really enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed public speaking. And I got up there to give my speech. And I remember shaking, like physically shaking. I could feel the sweat dripping down my back. I could feel my voice quivering. And what I remember the most is the way that my foot was just hitting the stage. It was like a very like intense tapping. I, and I couldn't stop my leg from shaking, which <laughs> it, it, I thought was because, well, this is a very like personal and vulnerable kind of topic for me to share because I'm digging into my faith, which is like, you know, they teach you is like, that's a very personal relationship with God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or whatever your thing is. And I think that's one of the things that made me so nervous is it felt, I don't think I would have been able to identify this at the time, but it just felt in my body so inauthentic. Like it was the, th it were all the things I was supposed to say and believe and that I was supposed to be inspiring others with, you know, to go out there and put their faith in action. You know, when we leave and leave this school and go into the next chapter of our lives, we're going to hit a lot of challenges and just like keep the faith and, you know, kind of the, the leading through, um, faith kind of inspirational talk, which, I still did really well with, but I could feel in my physical body that something was kind of not feeling right, which at the time I chalked up to, you know, I'm nervous and I'm talking about Jesus stuff. I'm talking in front of my peers. I'm talking in front of all these very intimidating pastors from a variety of different churches in, in the audience. And so that was an, an interesting experience 
and up until this past Monday night was one of the only times I can remember being that nervous to speak in front of other people. And then on Monday this week, that would be September 19th, 2022, I went back to my hometown, which is four hours from where I live now, which is in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is, you know, a different vibe politically, socially, culturally. There are a lot of of differences there. But I was at this school board meeting and I was super nervous because I was there to offer my support for the creation of what the students are calling a Pride Ally Club or a GSA kind of thing with just a, a different name. And um, so I was there to share my experience as a former student, to share my knowledge as a school psychologist, which I have been practicing as for the past 11 years. And it was a public hearing. This was the third meeting that had happened where the school board was going back and forth about if they were going to, quote unquote, allow the creation of this club or not. And so I was there to, you know, speak my truth through my previous experience, my current experience, and all of the experiences I've had over the past, let's say, 17 years since the last time I was there to speak and to really intentionally act as a member of that community. And I was super nervous sitting in there because it was loaded with church folks. I mean, same audience as baccalaureate 17 years before, but on the other side, a lot of people there to speak against the creation of this club for a variety of reasons. And in that nervousness, I, I was just sitting in my chair amongst, you know, the easily 100 plus people who were in that room for a school board meeting on a Monday night, because that's how much people cared about it, no matter which side they were on. And I didn't know how it was going to go. I didn't know if it was going to be hostile. I didn't know what people were going to think about me or my family, or if they were going to say stuff to me or what the, what the consequences of this would be. But I also felt in that moment the the deepest sense of calm confidence that what I was there to speak about and inspire the community to action around was so deeply connected to my purpose and the gifts I have the gifts that have been true the going back to when I spoke at baccalaureate, when I was a student in that school, when I went into college and grad school and in my adult life, my gifts of being very charismatic, my love for speaking, my good energy, my loving non-judgmental vibes that so many people have commented on over the course of my life, they all had the power to contribute to this collective effort of bringing resources to LGBTQ plus students who now sit where I sat 
17 years ago. And the opportunity to do that, I felt so (laughs) nervous, but grounded in it because, you know, you're in essence kind of bearing your soul in a way that's true authenticity is really scary to go up there and to speak your truth in front of a lot of people who believe in the depths of their soul that the way I identify the the person I am, the root of who I am is immoral and wrong and less than and not worthy of space in their school or in their community. And that knowing that in combination with understanding, kind of seeing the picture come together of where I've been, what I've learned about myself, the the natural gifts I have, how it all fits together to put me in that room on that day to speak on behalf of myself, on behalf of my younger self, and to advocate for those students was such a powerful experience and easily one of the things that I am most proud of in my life. But just so interesting that I felt a lot of the same physical things, being nervous to speak about something that felt very inauthentic and also feel on the very, very other end of the spectrum, nervous about um, leading from an authentic place, but a, a confident grounded kind of nervous. It it was just an interesting thing to be able to compare having been in the same place and um, all that time in between all the things I've experienced and learned about the world and myself and what I care about and how powerful it was to be in that room. And so what I want to share, though, is I want to give you a little bit of context for how I got to into that room, into the school board meeting and how that went. Because on the show, if you go back to uh, just a recent episode that I did with my wonderful fiance, Amanda, we were talking about at the end of the episode what allies and and queer identifying folks as well can do to advocate for the community. And we were talking about the importance of showing up in your um, kind of showing up and advocating and speaking up locally, be that in at city council, county board, school board meetings, things like that, where people can show up and advocate for things that are immediately relevant to the queer community right where you live, down the street, and showing up and speaking up and how that is what we needed, which is really fun to talk about when you're sitting behind a microphone and you don't have to say it in front of everyone else. And um, 
we talk a lot on this show about different things that we can do, different actions that we can take. And I think we all know that it's a whole lot easier to talk about things we can do and ways we can create change. It's a lot easier to talk about them than it is to actually do them. And to date in my life, and even in my career as an educator, I've been to very few school board meetings. And I've never spoken on anything at a school board meeting. But a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> I got an email from a guy who lives in my hometown who is kind of active in local government there. And he said that my mom had told him about my website and my podcast and a lot of the work I was doing. And he had wondered if I had heard about kind of this ongoing debate that was happening in my hometown about the creation of a GSA, which they were calling a pride ally club, or I'm not actually sure. I heard a couple different names when they were talking about it on Monday at the meeting. Um, but essentially, they're trying to start a GSA and there's some debate about it within the school board. They had tabled it for a couple of meetings and that they were going to be holding a public hearing in a couple of weeks. And he thought, as a former student and someone who speaks and advocates on the topic, that I would be a great person for them to hear from to understand why this club would be an important thing for the students and really an important thing for the community. <laughs> and when I read that email, my heart, stomach, I don't know, things sunk. <laughs> things inside of me sunk a little bit because I was, I felt a, the first thing I felt was Richland Center, you would. You know, you're just, you're the gift that keeps on giving to the poor gay kids. You know, like when I was in high school there, it was just, it was a lot of just homophobic chatter and culture, you know, gay this, gay that, making jokes at queer people's expense, uh, and just kind of the the general culture in the school and around the community it's the message is pretty loud and clear that we're as a people as a community we're less than and so i was immediately not surprised but also angry like really we're in 2022 and i and i know we've got all kinds of legislation going on that's attacking our trans students and community lgbtq folks it doesn't matter if you're family young old in the middle senior in high school whatever the people want to <laughs> come after us. It, it is mind-blowing. I know it is out there, but it, it just hits so different when it is immediately relevant and local to you, which is, which is what happened. So I was not surprised. I was angry. And then I felt immediately hesitant because I didn't want to create drama or turbulence with my family, with my parents still live there and, you know, are involved in their church and they're around the community. Um, 
And there, there are just a lot of layers with that. And I also, I think, just had kind of general fear about how is this going to go? Because there are a lot of churches there. There are a lot of pastors who are going to come out and have things to say about this. There, I, I went back and watched a couple of the school board meetings that had already happened where people were commenting on it. And you got all kinds of Bible wielders walking in there talking about how God is the answer. And the Bible says that you know, homosexual behavior is this and that and misquoting scripture and doing and saying all kinds of things. And that all these kids are going to get surgery and they're going to bully each other into being trans and using words like contagion. Like if we allow this club, this is going to become a contagion that's going to infect our school and just nonsense, just absolutely asinine things that were coming out of these adult mouths that are influencing the way people in that community think about queer folks and kids. And it it just, it was like the, the anger started at getting me into hesitation. And then it became really, really clear that I needed to do something with the anger I was feeling and get my ass down to Richland Center, which um, I can't remember if I mentioned is, is four hours away. And this meeting was on a Monday night. And I decided that it was really important that I go, that I be physically there, that I be a physical human who many of the people in that room who were on that board know me. I was, I went to school at the same time as a couple of those members. One was my basketball coach. One was my youth soccer coach. My gym teacher was there. My choir teacher was there. My middle school band teacher was there. There were so many, I had so many connections in that building and I really wanted them to see me to remember who I was, that I was a person, I was a student they respected. I was an excellent student. I was an athlete. I was in like all of these active in the community in so many different ways. And I wanted them to see that they're not talking about people over there. This isn't a new thing. Queer kids have been in that school for forever. We've always been there. We will always be there. We're there right now. We're working at Parks and Rec. We're flipping your blizzard upside down at Dairy Queen trying to save money for a car. We're shaking your hands at church. Those things are happening. And I wanted people to be able to connect the fact that they know me as a person, as a student at the time that they knew me as someone they respected who met all of these kind of Richland Center ideals for what they were at the time that I was attending there and I wanted to I wanted to get in there and and talk to them even though I was scared out of my damn mind to do it. And um so then my next <laughs> after I decided I was going to go Um, which I did maybe like a week and a half prior, I needed to decide what to say, which hmm, I don't know if we have any procrastinators out there 
but I'm one of them. And so, of course, it was Monday morning and I hadn't really written out exactly what I was going to say. I had done quite a bit of research about um, some of the statistics I wanted to be able to share. There's um, actually some really clear legal language, the Equal Access Act, which was actually passed in 1984, guarantees that if a school allows any non-curricular related club like a key club or a chess club or anything that doesn't have to do with a course that is offered in that school if they allow one they have to allow all regardless of their being controversial so that was really kind of the the mic drop moment is like hi here are all these reasons that this club is a good idea and by the way you can't legally say that this can't exist so thank you and good night. But I I had done some research around that. I had um, consulted with my my friend uh, Amy Canova, who, if you haven't heard her episodes on this podcast, go back and listen to them. Um, She had an episode in July and an episode in October of 2020 that are both excellent. And um, she's a a really badass school psychologist and just human in general who really kind of helped me get my thoughts around the right way to talk to a school board to get them to hear what I was trying to say, understand that it's a good thing, and to move forward with creating the club. So deciding what to say was a, a really difficult task. Because there are so many things I could say. And actually, on Monday morning, I was in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is um, a place that I've I've lived before. I went to grad school there, and I used to do these little sensory drives, is, is what I would call them, when I would get kind of anxious or I was having trouble focusing or I was upset, I would do this route that would go through um, the bluffs, which is, if you don't know what a bluff is, it's essentially kind of like a really steep hill, I'll say. And so there's a, a particular bluff called Granddad's Bluff in La Crosse. And that morning it was super foggy and I was kind of having trouble settling into the day. So I decided to take a little drive around my old sensory drive route. And you go kind of straight up this hill. And as I was driving up, I kind of, I broke through the fog and it got really, really sunny and awesome. And then you sort of drive on this level ridge to get back over and I could see the fog down below And this is kind of woo-woo, a a bit of a loose connection. But what I was thinking was, you know, this is kind of my task today is I'm up here where it's sunny and I I can see the bigger picture here. I can see all of the great things that the queer kids at this school are going to be able to do if we can offer them support and give them a space to be themselves, to feel safe, to figure out and have discussions about how they're going to navigate life. How are they going to navigate the workplace when they leave that school? How are they going to navigate dating and setting boundaries and 
relationships with family and friends and romantic partners and all of those things. I can see the bigger picture about how this club can create really awesome opportunities for these students to really thrive. And I'm headed to the school board meeting where a bunch of people are sitting down there in the fog. And what I need to do is find the words that can bring people up out of that so they can see, even if it's just a little peak of the sun that's shining through, if I can get them just to see one ray, we might be able to, you know, move a mind, tug a heartstring, and get them to see that just because they might not fundamentally agree with the fact that we're humans or that we're valid in our existence, that this could be a good thing. Don't need to change the world in this one talk I'm going to give, but just to get an inch toward what we were trying to do would be really powerful. So I was thinking, you know, I could talk about my podcast. I could talk about how I ran Queer Impact Collective. I could talk about my experience as a psychologist. I could talk about my experiences as a former student. And what I decided to do was really focus on my position as an educator, my experience as a former student, and then offer some data supporting the idea that this club is a good thing for all students because it improves overall school culture and so on and so forth. And so what I did first was I wrote out what I wanted to say, which was a little more edgy and harsh than would probably have actually been effective, but it was pretty cathartic to get it down on paper because, you know, when you want to be like, why don't you shut your bigoted mouth and just let these kids have a safe space. That's not particularly effective when you're trying to get people who have a potent viewpoint of their own to listen to your side of what you're what you're trying to say. So I really tried to pare it down so I wasn't mocking, I wasn't being condescending, or giving them really any reason to be closed off because I knew, you know, people there in support of the club were going to be aligned with my position because they also support the club. Um, but it was really getting into the the hearts and minds of the folks on the school board and, you know, uh, byproduct, maybe get into the hearts and minds of some of the people who were opposed to it, who were in the audience as well. So, what I really wanted to do was paint the opportunity as a way for students to connect, to be able to grow, to be able to expand, and less so as a mental health intervention. And that's not because I don't think mental health is important. I absolutely do. And our community is significantly more at risk for struggling with depression and anxiety. The suicide rates are ridiculous. And I knew those stats were going to be shared. I knew stories like that were going to be shared. But what I really wanted to do was counteract the idea that LGBTQ plus students are problematic or weak or some people in that room truly think that because someone identifies as queer, that they're deserving of their mental health challenges, which is extremely frustrating. 
So those were kind of the things that I had in mind as I was putting together my talk. So then if you've never been to a school board meeting, I'll give you a little picture of what I was walking into here. Um, walk into the meeting. It's held at the high school and the library. And when I walked in, there were probably a hundred plus people in that room, which is not normal for just your standard school board meeting. But the people came out for this because this was a public hearing. So they were the advisor for the proposed club was going to be able to give a presentation and then answer any questions that the school board had. There was a huge section for public comment where people were able to say whatever it was they wanted to say, which is what I was there to do. So when I walked in, you fill out a form to register, put your name, address, and um, what it is you are there to speak about. Every single person who participated in the public comment section um, was there to talk about the Pride Ally Club. So that was to be expected. But um, they kind of started the meeting. And then for when they opened the public hearing, the advisor had a presentation, like a PowerPoint presentation that the students had made that really like laid out their vision for what they want this club to be. And so they talked about like getting together to watch movies, to learn about LGBTQ plus history, to have speakers, to eat snacks. And that really, the snacks thing is what really stuck out to me in that presentation because it's just, it's such a small thing. It's such a small thing. I mean, these students are literally saying, we want a place to just eat our snacks in peace. Imagine if that was like the highlight of your day to just sit with people who share some element of your experience and be able to eat some Doritos and be left alone to not be ridiculed for their mannerisms or the way they talk or the color of their hair or the clothes they wear or the way they act and see the world. They just want a place where they can exist and be safe. The snacks thing just really got me because it, it was just so basic. And I was so, so impressed with the work that the students put into creating that presentation, that they were the ones who advocated for this club to exist. If you think about that, I mean, it has been, Richland Center has existed for a long time without a collective of students that was motivated enough to actually advocate for a space they are pioneers and trailblazers in a place that that is not easy to do. So I thought I was blown away by the presentation, not because it was like things I had never heard before or whatever, but just all the underlying context of the effort that went into it and the, the underlying meaning behind it, how bold and brave these students are. And probably the immense amount of turmoil they're in on 
a daily basis in that school where they're just at a point where it's like, we're going to advocate for a space or like, I don't know what else we're going to do. So anyway, the presentation went on and then we went into the public comment section where people were called up one by one in no particular order. They advised, you know, keep it to like three to five minutes, which of course not everyone followed um, to speak. They gave us a little warning about how the hearing would be closed if there was name calling or people were getting unprofessional or unkind and those types of things. And like I said, the churches came out in force baby i mean these people hauled in with their bibles reading passages chirping about all of the the different things that are going to happen all of these kids who are going to get surgery they're going to make irreversible decisions that they're going to regret later in their life they're confused they're going to recruit they're grooming for other people to become queer too and just off the wall stuff and the the youtube video of the meeting is linked in the show notes so I will give you a warning that um, there are a lot of things that were said at that meeting that may be very triggering from both sides. You know, there are uh, several mentions of suicide. There is a lot of language that um, diminishes the queer community and makes a lot of religious, um, religiously based references, which you know, as queer folks, it's not like we're not used to hearing those things. But if you are going to engage <laughs> in um, taking a look at that video and kind of seeing the structure of the meeting and how those things went and some of just off the wall, like stuff <laughs> that that people said, um, just beware um, to make sure you're taking care of yourself because it it is pretty maddening to to listen to. And the way the the forum started, people were going up and they were speaking. They would say their little bit and there wasn't applause on any side. It was, and it kind of seemed like that was the expectation for a while until this one particular pastor who said some of the most outrageous things. I mean, just so ignorant and ill-informed and fear-mongering. It was out of control. Um, after he spoke, he got a huge round of applause from the many people from that particular church in town who had come out in support of him, which was interesting because then people started applauding for both sides. And man, there were some pretty, some pretty powerful things, some pretty powerful speakers on the four, on the four side and some students who spoke, some former students who spoke. And I was really impressed with the amount of support <clears throat> that came out for the, for the meeting. And so I probably went sixth or seventh and, uh, and made it through mine. There were some things I had to take out so that I could make it through because I tried to go a little bit more personal and share more about my experience, but I was just finding it kind of personally 
triggering. And when I start crying, I have a really hard time getting back into what it is I'm trying to say. And I wanted to be able to be effective. So there were some things that I think would have been a nice addition um, to give a little more context to my experience and why I thought it this club was a good idea. But it was important for me, more important for me to, to make it through. So I did have to trim some things out of there. And, you know, when you get done giving a talk or you say anything, it might be in an argument or a one-on-one conversation, maybe when you're public speaking, there's always things you kind of wish you would have said. And I think <clears throat> I didn't have a bunch of counterpoints to things that had already been said from the speakers who had gone before me. Had I gone later in the in the lineup i think i don't know that it would have necessarily been productive but i probably would have been a little more angry and a little more likely to kind of chirp back about some things but one of the things that i would have liked to have shared more about was how queerness just has so much more to do with understanding how you relate to the world than it does sex or surgery or hormone ugh, hormone replacement therapy or any of any of the things that a lot of the people who were against the club were saying that this was going to lead to and the way that they understand queerness to be this like social and moral deviancy, this agenda, of course. I don't even know if they know what that word means, but they love to harp on it. But I would have liked to have kind of educated a little bit about how it really is just understanding how do you relate to the world as a person, which is what being a teenager is all about. What are your interests? What are your values? What kind of friends do you want to have? What kind of job do you want to have? What type of place do you want to work? Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you want, how do you want to navigate the world? What kind of culture do you want to live in? You want to live in the country? You want to stay in Richland Center? You want to go to college? You want to learn a trade? You want to be an entrepreneur? And understanding how their queerness impacts all of those decisions and experiences that they're going to have in their lives. Not that it's going to be negative or it's not something to be hopeful about, but that it's really important for them to have a space where they can understand how this lens that they're living and experiencing life through is going to impact all of these different areas of their life to equip them to go out into the world and to be awesome citizens who contribute to the awesomeness of this world simply by being themselves because they understand how being themselves relates to all of the things that they're going to go out there and do. As you can see, it would have taken me a lot of words and probably quite a bit of time to get that out. So I didn't include it, but it it is one thing that if I would have been able to offer a counter argument to a lot of the things I was hearing from other people in that room that I would have really liked to comment on. <clears throat> um, and then after I went 
and shared mine. And if you want to hear what I said, like I said, the the YouTube video is linked in the show notes. I start talking at the 31 minutes and 30 second mark, which is timestamped in the in the show notes as well. But you can, um, if you want to hear what I had to say, you can go back and listen. I've kind of touched on a bunch of the pieces, but it's there if you want to see it. Um, so there was an hour and a half more of public comment. I mean, people went up there for two hours straight, um, sharing on both sides of the issue. And then a lot of people left before the vote actually happened, which I thought was interesting because they put all that time in, you know, after you've made the comments and done the applauding and, you know, read your Bible verses and whatever, I guess it's out of your hands, whatever the school board does or doesn't do. But um, it was a little bit later on the agenda. So you had to wait another 30 minutes or so to be able to hear the vote. But I did because I was like, well, I'm already here and I've stayed here a long time and it's getting late and I drove a long way to get here. So I want to see what this result is. And so when they got to the vote about this, um, they made a motion. Someone made a motion to approve the club and it was seconded and then they opened it for discussion. And one of the board members said that, you know, Six weeks ago, when this club was proposed and they started having conversations about it, he wasn't for it. Um, He saw a lot more issues with it than um, and, and what it could become and how it could impact the students and whatever, but that the outpouring of support that they heard from it tonight and from from students and from supporters of the club in that meeting, he said something along the lines of if, you know, them having a space is going to improve school culture, help them to feel safe and keep them alive. I just don't see how that can't be a good thing. So I have changed my mind and I don't see a reason why we shouldn't have this club, which was like, oh, I love watching sports and I love like, you know, a buzzer beater, a Hail Mary or some kind of reason to get excited. And I have just, I've never felt like the urge to fist pump like that (laughs) in outside of a sports context. I'm not sure ever but that that was that was how it felt and then there was another guy on the board who said um who shared that sentiment that he wasn't sure you know what it could possibly become or if it could maybe make things worse um but that it seemed like a good idea and something that would really serve the students well and so he voted for it and it ended up passing with a 5 to 2 vote the two nayers. I know who you are. Just kidding. I do know who they are, but uh, (laughs) I don't understand it, but neither here nor there. It passed. And I haven't mentioned this yet, but this is uh, just another epic part of this experience. My mom came with me to 
this meeting. And she worked with me on my talk before we went. She offered her love and support and many hugs and just uh, an affirmation of her pride in me for standing up for what I believe in, for speaking out, for doing a hard thing. And she sat there in that meeting with me around a lot of people who were opposed to the club, who she knows in the community and who were probably, I don't know if they were, if they were surprised that she was there or whatever, but she was physically in that room. She sat with me. She cheered me on. She sighed along with me when people were saying ridiculous things. And and her being there was was such a powerful component of this too, because every single person in that room mattered. And I think this is the first time in my life that I personally have felt just a deep connection between an action I took and a meaningful kind of policy or like locally local political kind of result that came of it because every single person in that room mattered. Every story that was shared, whether it was about suicide attempts or the way it could shift school culture or a parent whose child had been bullied in their time at the school or any of the above, there was a really powerful pastor who spoke in favor of the club and really called out the people who were misquoting scripture and, um, you know, being hypocritical and all of those kind of things, which was just a great thing to see because he really was on the, on the same plane as those folks from, a from a faith kind of perspective and every single person in that room mattered. And it flipped two people's opinions in the way, I think the way they probably view the queer community and what we're all about. And, um, and I just, I'm still wrapping my head around how that can change the trajectory of lives of students who are going to be impacted by the club. Even if they never step foot in the club, they never eat one single snack. They never learn one single thing about LGBTQ plus history. The kids who have to go to the churches of the people who spoke out against this club are now going to be in a school where there is more noise than I ever heard when I was in that school, more noise that says, Hey, you are worthy of a space. You're a good person. You're not other. You're not less than. You're not immoral. And there are people in this building who see you and support you and love you and want to see you do well and thrive in every single area and component of who you are as a, as a whole human. Even if you are not there yet, student who can't come out or who is sitting in church every single Sunday listening to homophobic rhetoric and hateful language 
dismissive language and um, experiencing the the self-loathing that comes with growing up in a faith community like that and either feeling like you don't have the space to live in your full authenticity or not even ever considering it as a possibility because that's what bad people do or whatever. So some post-talk thoughts. I obviously have had a lot to wrap my brain around and I've been talking for a long while now. (laughs) But I I just think this experience and all the things that went into it are super important and I really wanted to share it and quite frankly, get it out of my brain (laughs) because there's, there's just so much to process and I wanted to be able to share it with you. But I walked out of there. I left Richland Center the next morning just feeling so loved and supported by my parents, by my fiance, by some of my friends who either tuned in to the school board meeting or watched it later, my um, members of my family who texted me and you know said great job that's so brave good for you to you know stick up for your community to come back to a place where i did not have a great experience being my authentic self and and to show up that way um was was important i um felt a lot of gratitude for how far i've come since that speech in 2005 when I was shaking up on the stage because it felt just so inauthentic and and the gifts, I'm grateful for the gifts I have to use my position and my privilege. I, I had a lot of privilege in that room. You know, I, I've had a lot of opportunities, a lot of education. I am white as can be. And I had a lot of connections, a lot of positive connections in that room that are are very connected to the privilege that I hold as I just exist and, and walk around that space. And I was just so grateful and also proud of myself for using, using those gifts and my position and my privilege in a productive way that is is going to make a difference for other people. And last weekend I had I'd gone to this fitness event <clears throat> and there's a guy in Minneapolis his name is JC Lippold. He's a great follow on Instagram if you want to be inspired. He's one of the only people in the world who can like make me almost cry while I'm doing squats. And it's not because it hurts. It's because he's being damn inspiring. And before, throughout, after the workout that we did at this event, um, we were doing some, just some breathing, just getting connected with our bodies. And he said, you're going to take an inhale and then an exhale and an inhale And then on this time with the exhale, I want you to risk to be heard. And he said that multiple times, risk to be heard. And he's just talking about an exhale in the moment, but he also talked about how 
powerful it is to risk to be heard in your truth, to risk to be heard when your voice is shaking, when you're saying something that not everyone is going to agree with, that might be unpopular or it might be controversial. But if you take that risk, you can create magic in your own life, in your own journey, in your connections with people you have different levels of relationships with. You can make a difference in your community. And I think just my big takeaway from this overall experience is that I have more and more evidence that being me, just being me and being okay with me and who I am, whether it's in a one-on-one conversation on this podcast or in a heated public forum, it's the most powerful thing in the world. And that's not just true for me. That's true for you as well, which is one of the reasons I wanted to share this experience and kind of the way that I went through it, the things that I experienced and kind of, you know, normalize the fear that comes with choosing to be an advocate in whatever way that is. That doesn't necessarily have to be speaking at a school board meeting, but, you know, writing emails, contacting legislators, sticking up for someone in a one-on-one conversation or in groups socially. If you're in schools or in spaces where things are happening or you see injustices of some kind or someone being othered and and you risk to be heard sticking up for them in your truth that is some pretty some pretty powerful stuff so some things that i would i would love for you to take away from this and you know take what you need take what you want if you just wanted to listen to my dulcet tones for an hour that's cool too Um, But what I hope you take away is that your physical presence and support matters. Like I said, every single person who came out in support of what we were fighting for in that room on Monday mattered. Whether they were saying anything or not, the, the power that my mom's presence probably had in that room, I don't know if I would even be able to measure. Taking up an extra chair, clapping, nodding, being respectful of, of both sides, but um, you know, standing in support of her child who is uh, out there advocating and, and showing up um, in, in many different ways. That, that is powerful stuff. Your voice also matters. And like I said, you know, it doesn't have to be in a public forum like that. It could be emails, conversations, one-on-ones, day-to-day stuff. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be genuine and loving. Those, those really are the key things. There are a lot of people who got up on that microphone and messed up their words or messed up the acronym or, you know, stumbled for a second or started crying and got emotional. And they didn't have to be perfect to make an impact. They just had to be there to be genuine and to lead with love. And I think that that 
you know, leading with love and authenticity. If you do that, you can create and inspire real, tangible change in others, in your communities, in your schools. It it is possible. And the best way to do it is by showing up fully as you in your truth, in what you know, in what you believe to be right and true. And and that's some pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Um, the things that are happening happening locally make a big, huge difference. So pay attention to them. Share them with people. If if um, Sean was the guy who emailed me and let me know this was going on, if he hadn't shared it with me, I would have had no idea this conversation was even happening in my hometown. And so it's really powerful when you give other people the chance to come along with you. Share it with people who you know share your values. Get out there and vote. Encourage other people in your life to vote, to get decision makers who can affect real change into office to uh, hear the concerns of the community who are going to take action that is going to create a, a more loving, positive, awesome, and hopefully a little bit more queer world. I think there's just so much value in that. So I hope you found some value in this. Um, there, It was such a cool experience. It was terrifying. It was empowering. It was emotional. And I, I'm really excited about having had that experience. So I have a little bit more of a reference point for how these processes go and how I can continue speaking up and making a difference and putting my money and my financial support in the right places to affect change about things and causes I care about, which I hope um, you do as well. If you um, have any takeaways, I would love to hear what they are. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram at Meg's Pulvermacher linked up in the show notes. I would love to talk to you about things that you care about. Or if you want to chat about something that you might be able to fight for in your local school district or community, I would love to chat with you about that, to support you in that, in any way that I possibly can to connect you to resources. I think this all is so, so important. And the more bodies, hearts, and minds that we can get behind this work, the the better world we can create for ourselves and for the next generation, which is pretty damn exciting. So that is all I have for you today. I hope you have the best day ever, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And until next time, keep it queer out there. <laughs>